Welcome to our weekly podcast. I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 25 through 34. This is what we read. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We're in week two of a message series called Knowing God's Peace. In this series, we're talking about anxiety, what it is, where it comes from, how it distracts us and weighs us down, and most importantly, how God promises to meet us right where we're at, offering hope and help in the midst of our struggles. Last week, we were given a small glimpse into how honestly God's word addresses this part of the human experience. In the New Testament, there are two Greek words that, when put together, give us a biblical definition for what anxiety is. First, we have the word marimna, which is usually translated as care, worry, or anxiety. Second, we have the word marizo, which means to draw in different directions or to distract, So when you put these two words together, we learn that anxiety is to have a distracting care or to have our hearts and minds torn between two worlds. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 2, the apostle Paul reminds us to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Anxiety is a byproduct or a symptom of focusing on the horizontal, the things of this world, our momentary troubles, instead of focusing on the vertical. The things of God, eternal things. God's word directly addresses the anxious heart in a number of ways. Throughout the Bible, we learn more about what anxiety is, what causes anxiety in our lives, the dangers of living with anxiety, what to do when we're overwhelmed by anxiety, why it's important to rely on God and others during those times, and why it's critical that we keep our focus on God and his word. As I've been studying more about how we should view anxiety through the lens of Scripture, I've been pleasantly surprised to see how often it showed up in the lives of those who've gone before us and to learn more about some of the different causes for why we experience anxiety. From Genesis to Revelation, we clearly see that anxiety can have its roots in things that we've done in the past. So when we sin... Our sin has consequences, and one of those consequences can be anxiety that stems from past mistakes. 
Anxiety can also build when we fail to trust God's word or fail to trust his leading in our lives. In Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 and 3, all of God's people complained and moaned out loud about Moses and Aaron. They actually said, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. You know, deep anxiety and distress were building amongst an entire group of people because they failed to trust God's leading in their lives. I think change can also produce anxiety. Everyone deals with change differently. And if change is not something that you easily embrace or adapt to, it can lead to anxiety. What about adversity and the normal problems of life? You know, these things often cause anxiety. The Apostle Paul described his anxiety as daily pressure. Much of his anxiety was the result of the physical and mental distress that he experienced. We see that laziness and poor planning can also lead to anxiety. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 reminds us that Christians should work with all their heart as working for the Lord. Laziness has no place in the character of a follower of Jesus. There are a lot of heartbreaking consequences of having a lazy lifestyle and anxiety is one of them. The other side of that coin is overworking or always trying to work against the clock. These things can cause deep anxiety in our lives. It's important to recognize that rest and laziness are not the same thing. We're clearly commanded to rest and to rest well because we were created with a need for rest. Rest is a good thing. But overworking will lead to a lack of rest and the feeling that we never have enough time to get everything done. That can certainly cause anxiety in our lives. All of these causes stem from focusing on the horizontal, the things of this world, our momentary troubles, instead of focusing on the vertical, the things of God, eternal things. I said last week that we all experience anxiety in different ways. Uh, For you, it might be mild worry. You know, this kind of anxiety doesn't tend to affect your day-to-day life very often. For you, it might be full-blown panic or something in between. Well, there's also a clinical level of anxiety, which affects about 18% of the population. And I actually want to thank Ryan Ross for pointing this out after the message last week. Uh, His comments were very helpful. If you experience anxiety in this way, something in your body leaves the panic button or the alarm button on most of the time and overproduces stress hormones. So even the smallest things can feel overwhelming to you. I would say if this describes your experience with anxiety, please know that the promises and the truths that we read about in God's word are still for you. It may just take a little more patience, care, and having others who are willing to come alongside you to help during those times when it seems like there's no hope. As we work through this series, if you recognize that your anxiety is leading to unhealthy habits, negative thoughts about yourself, or harmful behavior, please talk to someone. As your pastor, I would be more than happy to sit and pray with you, to offer counsel within my limitations, and I'd be happy to recommend a Christian counselor in our area. Seeking out the help of others is not something that you need to be ashamed of. Well, we've looked to God's word to better understand what anxiety is. It's that distracting care. We've talked through some of the causes of anxiety, and we've looked at a few examples of how others, primarily the Apostle Paul, responded during those times of deep anxiety and distress. Today, I want to revisit Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34, so that we can see how God promises to meet us right where we're at, offering hope and help in the midst of our struggles. 
If you're taking notes, the first truth that I want to draw from this text is that God faithfully cares for us. He faithfully cares for us. And we learn about this in verses 25 through 27. This is what we read. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Commenting on these verses, Paul Touches wrote, Fake cares are problems that our fears dream up. They exist only in our imagination. Since God has promised to meet our needs, to continue to worry about them not being met is to create a care that isn't a real threat. Such fake cares steal mental real estate and emotional energy from us by creating distractions. So remember, anxiety is to have a distracting care or to have our hearts and minds torn between two worlds. In the first few verses of this passage, Jesus reminds us that we do not need to worry about the things that are not ours to worry about. When anxiety starts to creep in, we should look at the birds of the air, God's creation, as an example of God's faithfulness and care. Shifting our focus to these things provides an important reminder about how all of God's creation, especially ourselves, are dependent on Him. As we learn to trust and rely on God more, we certainly have a responsibility to work hard and to serve Him with the gifts that He's given us, yet at the same time, we're commanded to trust Him with the things that are outside of our control. Because anxiety distracts us from the things that truly matter, Jesus offers comforting truths to help settle our anxious hearts. We're reminded that God faithfully cares for the things he creates. This means that he takes responsibility for them. When we direct our attention away from the cares of the world and onto the birds of the air, God's creation, we're reminded about how God even cares for the smallest of creatures. You know, birds don't own real estate. They don't have retirement accounts. They don't have the ability to plan for what's ahead. I think that'd be kind of weird. Yet God cares for them. So God faithfully cares for the things he creates. We're also reminded that we are God's most prized creation. God cares for even the smallest of creatures. And at the same time, Jesus reassures us that we are infinitely more valuable than all other created things. As much as you love your family pet, you know, your dog or your cat, your fish, you are infinitely more valuable to God than they are. Humans are unique and we're God's most prized creation because we are created in his image and his likeness. We've been designed to reflect God's glory and that's what gives us our worth. It's not how good looking we are. It's not our accomplishments, how much money we have. Um, Our worth comes from who God says we are. Our worth is found in him. So we are God's most prized creation. We're also reminded that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. In the Psalms, when David praised God for the way he created him, he also acknowledged that God would providentially lead him according to his good and perfect plan. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. This was true of David's life. 
It's true of our lives as well. And since this is true of all of our lives, Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 27 brings a little more clarity. He says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? You know, anxiety never improves the quality or longevity of life. So God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He cares for us. This is one of those vertical truths that helps us to shift our focus away from our momentary troubles, the distracting cares of the world. So what are some of your fake cares, the problems that you dream up that aren't really problems at all? What are some of the fake cares that you need to let go of today? You know, if you're putting together a personal care list, like we talked about last week, I want to encourage you to add your fake cares to that list. Friends, let's stop worrying about the things that are not ours to worry about. The second truth that I want to draw from the text today is that God faithfully provides for us. He faithfully provides for us. We read about this in verses 28 through 30. Jesus said, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Paul Touches wrote that we are earthbound people who naturally focus on earthly problems. I think that's true of my life. Our lack of faith tends to rear its ugly head when we spend our time being anxious about earthly burdens, those momentary troubles, instead of resting in the truth of who God is as our faithful provider. Today, we need to be reminded that spiritually speaking, none of us are fully grown. And since we're still growing in our faith, we're still growing in spiritual maturity, Jesus uses verses like these to remind us about who God is and to further grow our faith. Verses like these confront our unbelief. Jesus gives us another image from nature, from God's creation, and he does this to raise an important question. He says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Again, he's wanting to redirect our eyes from the distracting cares of the world onto the trustworthy promises of God. As we think about how the flowers are clothed, we're reminded that they don't clothe themselves. You know, they don't go out and buy fabric. They don't spin their own fabric. That too would be very weird. Interesting, but weird. Instead, they're intentionally created and clothed by God. And this passage isn't discouraging us from working hard so that we can provide for ourselves and for our families. Instead, it's reminding us that regardless of how hard we do work for these things, God is always working harder on our behalf. In a world where people love to pride themselves on carving out their own path, making their own way, we need to be reminded that God is the one who is our ultimate provider. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. If he provides for the flowers of the field in the way that he does, addressing them in an endless array of colors and shapes, if he clothes the grass of the field with the flowers, which the Bible says is destined to be destroyed, how much more will he clothe or provide for us? Friends, when anxiety starts to creep in, we have an opportunity to exercise our faith, trusting that God will provide what we need in the portion that we need it. We have an opportunity to trust him with our cares 
and concerns. And we do this by believing Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 8. He says, your father knows what you need before you even ask. God's faithful provision should produce more and more confidence and faith in our lives. Not more confidence in ourselves, but confidence in God. Because of this, Jesus relates anxiety to having little faith. In Matthew 6, verse 30, he says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? The foundation of our anxiety, or those distracting cares, is unbelief. When anxiety creeps in and takes root in our lives, we buy into the lie that God is somehow not enough. Jesus reminds us that God is always enough, and that he's always faithful. Throughout this passage, Jesus is saying the same things. He's saying, open your eyes and see what God is doing. Look at the birds of the air, how God cares for them. Look at the flowers of the field, how he provides for them. Even though these things are temporal, God still provides constant care and provision for them. So why do you not trust him when you are infinitely more valuable than they are? This portion of scripture is a call to believe the truth that God faithfully cares and provides for his people. It's a call to shift our focus from the distracting cares of the world and onto the faithful promises of God. It's a reminder about how big our God really is. It's a call to exercise our faith in him. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, the Old Testament prophet wrote these words, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Friends, we need to be reminded today that God faithfully provides for us. Let's put our hope and our confidence in him. The third and final truth that I want to draw from the text today is this. God adopts us into his family. We read about this truth in verses 31 and 32. Jesus said, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So that phrase, for the Gentiles seek after these things, that's an important phrase. In the timeline of events, Jesus had not yet been crucified on the cross. He had not yet been buried and raised from death. And the gospel, the good news about his victory over sin and death, had not yet been preached to all people, including the Gentiles. In these verses, Jesus brought up a relationship that unbelievers, or Gentiles, didn't yet have. See, they worried about basic things like food and clothing, the cares of the world. But God's people are called to be different. In Christ, we have spiritual blessings that far outweigh material ones, as well as a faith that unbelievers don't have. By God's grace, through faith in Jesus, the Heavenly Father has become our Heavenly Father. The Apostle Paul highlights this truth in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, when he said, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So in his infinite love, God decided to adopt us into his family 
Now, this is really strong language as Paul was highlighting the truth that as adopted children, we have the same rights and privileges as biological children. Because we've been adopted into God's family, we don't have to worry about our basic needs. We don't have to carry the weight of anxiety on our back. And what supports this kind of confidence in God is the gospel. The victory that Jesus accomplished on the cross is what provides an opportunity for us to be redeemed, to be made right with God, and to be adopted into his family, where we now enjoy some of the benefits of being part of his family. In this life, some of those benefits include salvation, forgiveness, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, having the strength that we need to live the Christian life. Another one of the present benefits of being adopted into God's family is that we no longer have to be controlled by fear. We don't have to be controlled by worry or anxiety. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says, So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Unlike unbelievers, As Christians, we have a heavenly father to whom we can turn, one who cares, provides, and has adopted us into his family. Our relationship with God should lead to greater peace in our lives, something that unbelievers have not experienced. And this is really the basis for Jesus' instruction in Matthew 6, where he says, do not be anxious. Paul Touches wrote that our relationship with God should lead us to have heavenly priorities and a distinct outlook that is unbound by anxiety. What he's saying is that because we belong to God, because we're part of his family, we don't have to worry. Well, this passage ends with these words, Matthew 6, verses 33 through 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When you build your life on the truth that the God of the universe is your personal heavenly father, you also learn that there's no longer a need to be anxious. God faithfully cares for you. He faithfully provides for you. He's adopted you into his family. I'd like to wrap up the series with two verses from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Peter wrote, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you.